You are listening to the Photobomb podcast with the world's greatest photographers, Boo Ray and Gary. Welcome to the Photobomb podcast. My name is Boo Ray Perry. And joining me as always is Gary Hughes. This is my second attempt yes. to get this message to you. I <laughs> yes, I know. Message. It's not going to work, Gary. It's not going to work, gonna this work. message. It's going to work. We have to pull this off because right. time, time is of the essence. So I gotta, I'm going to talk real quiet, okay? Right. I'm back. I spent a day in the lair, in the inner lair of the robot overlords, and I have, I have news to report. Are we still live? Are we, are we still We're recording? Yeah, it's still Because going. you We're tried going. to do this. This is our second attempt to record the show. And, and the first attempt, you said, I have to report back on the robot overlords. And then you said, wait a minute, nothing's working all of a sudden. Yeah, all of a sudden, my, <laughs> like, my audio right. wasn't Because recording. the robot overlords can hear all, and, 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 and they will shut us down if you tried to, if you tried to tell their master plan. Oh, well, here, he, I, I worked for a robotics company here in town. Okay. And they have developed an end-to-end automated shipping and receiving packaging sort of thing. It, it's pretty incredible to watch. It's like a bunch of Roombas with different attachments moving around like a like a like the like a ballet. Like Karishnikov would weep to see these robots moving around in concert, just flawlessly bringing small pharmaceutical items here and there. And here's what I have to report. I have some inside information. All right. It's so beautiful. <laughs> it's beautiful. It's beautiful to watch. It's so beautiful. I I gotta tell you, uh, it's uh, I'm I, I'm unabashedly and totally for the takeover because what does it do? I, like, give me a detail. Like, like, okay, like you know, my wife does a lot of shipping. She owns an online thing, but but I mean, what kind of shipping are we talking about? Does it package? Does it? What's it do? Yeah. Okay. So here's basically what, the gist of it, right? So you've got uh, products lined up whatever products you have in your warehouse and you load them into these certain sorts of machines and then somebody places an order on your website then it tells the robot to put one uh bottle of bure's favorite face lotion right into this chute and it drops it into a little robot with a scoop on top think of a roomba but with a dust buster attachment on top that okay. like articulates and then that takes it over to a box, a preset box, and it drops it in the box. And then let's say you also have bought a really nice, like a Melaleuca foot scrub, like a like an exfoliating Melaleuca hydrating foot scrub. Just let me interrupt you. Is Melaleuca a real thing, or did you just invent that? No, it's it's an okay, oil. It's an, it's it's a it's a tree oil. It's it's. Okay. Um, Those of us who are not metrosexuals do not know what Melaleuca is. It's it's one of these things. <laughs> sidebar. My dad throughout my life has got. He gets like into things like these trendy homeopathic right. things. And about thirty years ago, like all of these, and this is before the internet uh, was as pervasive as it is. Thirty years ago, you know, my dad saw some, an ad and got involved in this mail order thing where people. It was basically like a multi-level marketing thing, selling different products made from the miraculous rejuvenative. Melaleuca oil uh, or okay. whatever. <laughs> okay, so 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 it puts the stuff in the box. It okay. puts the lotion in the basket. It puts the lotion, and then another machine can take the box and put it into a postal thing. And so, essentially, a postal it's thing meaning like like a bag. Like if you go to FedEx, okay. they have these big right. like uh, tarp bags that all the finished all boxes right. go into. So basically, so someone puts an order on your website. Mm-hmm. And you don't have to do anything. It take mm-hmm. it finds the product, puts it in a box, seals the box, and puts it in the postal bag. And then all you have to do is give the postal bag. And then you. then there's a robot that actually takes the bag over to the loading dock, and then the FedEx truck backs up, and then they just put it in the truck. Okay, that's all pretty right. cool. Well, that, that's pretty that's pretty impressive. Have you ever seen the robots that they use? Are like Roombas, the robots that they use at the Amazon warehouses that move the entire um the the entire shelf. Yeah, it's, it's, I mean, it's, it's pretty similar, except they have it on multiple levels, different sizes for different things. So they have larger robots for packing and shipping. They have very small robots that do um, pharmaceuticals. So they grab like bottles of pills and different things and they move those things around in cosmetics. And then they have, you know, they have different things that they move. But, you know, so we were, 
so friend of the show, dear friend and uh, bombardier Savannah Butler came down to visit, and she came down to shoot the video portion of this with me. So we spent the day creating photos and videos of this end-to-end sort of system. And, and I, the whole time, I had this uncanny feeling that I was being watched, and right. I liked it. Yeah. <laughs> and I was fine with it. You're fine, you're fine with being subjected to the, the, the robot overlords. I felt like I was being wrapped in strong, okay. cold arms and just held. You know, this like the sort of was, thing that you that that a person who planned on collaborating with the Nazis would say is what you're whoa, saying. Whoa, whoa, whoa! I'm not saying that you're Nazis, of course, robot war overlords. I'm not saying that. No, 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 no. Then the robot overlords aren't nearly as efficient as the Germans. Let's just okay. let's just get that out there. Well, we just don't throw the N word around here. You know, right. we just don't start. I'm just saying, you seem to be just really ramping up to collapse. I mean, we have always said that we welcome the robot overlords. Clearly, but you. Uh, you are really. You seem to be running for like class president of the people who work for the robot overlords. Well, well, there's a difference. You know, if you've like gone to church your whole life, and let's you call yourself a believer, you know, right. and that. But then one day you had no idea until until the the robot lord right. himself comes and touches you. I feel like you're becoming the Joel Osment of the robot overlords uh, movement. The Joel Osteen, yeah, yeah, I could be Joel Osteen, yeah, yeah. And I'm, I would say that that might be accurate. Except okay. <laughs> you're open you know. to the idea. This is a, you're open to the job. If 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 it's all open, I'm saying you know, is I've seen I've seen I've had a glimpse of the promised land. Okay, and it is good. All and right, it's, and it's and it's articulating you know, carbon fiber appendages caressing my soul and, and I'm fine with it. And that was a little, that was a little more erotic than I needed at this point, but okay. Well, okay. So that's the next stage, right? Like companion robots. I mean, well, I'm all for that. Yeah. hundred And then of course the sex robots, that's, that's what I'm really looking forward to. Well, yeah. I mean, you know, for the sake of people who maybe they have like really weird kinks and sexual proclivities, you could make a robot that they could just, I don't know, do stuff to. Sure. And then maybe they won't go out and try to do that to, to like people. Right. Or maybe it will just, you know, inflame their passion for the to perverse and, and to make things worse. You want, I, I you don't want, know. What you want is the Cherry 2000. Yeah. That's I a reference. Know. A few people got that reference. Yeah, okay. We had a lot of people get your Chicken Man reference. That's right. The Chicken week. Man reference last week. Some people got chicken. Chicken Man. He's everywhere. He's everywhere. Bump, 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 bump. That was how every episode started. And then it was like a 30-second uh, you know, Chicken Man was moving north, headed for blah, 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 blah. And it would just be some stupid joke, basically. You know, Chicken Man was some inept superhero. And uh, it was like a 30-second thing, and it would run on morning radio. And it was syndicated nationwide and like, you know, thousands of stations. And it ran all over the country and all over the world for the longest time. This is a perfect example of why the robots need to come destroy us, because that type of stupid stuff. That's all I'm saying. But like it was that. good. Chicken Man was funny. Mm-hmm. Chicken that Man was funny. funny. And you would get you get on the bus, go to school, and somebody would go, "Hey, did you hear Chicken Man this morning?" You know, that was a thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then uh, and then the robot overlords turn our nuclear weapons on us. Yeah, and scour the surface of the right. planet and start over. But Cherry Two Thousand was a movie about a guy who had a robot model called a Cherry Two Thousand, which was a beautiful woman, and she broke, and so he wanted another one, but you couldn't get him anymore. The only place you could get him he heard was in the Badlands there was supposed to be a place where you could get a Cherry 2000. So he has to hire uh, a rough and tumble woman who can take him into the Badlands, Badlands to find this robot that he wants. This woman was played by a young Melanie Griffith. Interesting. And she takes him into the Badlands on this sci-fi adventure to get this Cherry 2000. And of course, mm-hmm. along the way, he eventually realizes that having a real girl specifically Melanie Griffith, would be better than having this robot. Yeah, I pretty much saw that coming in second sentence. Yeah, of yeah you see that. Many, many you say that yeah. Melanie <laughs> yeah. Griffith was hired. They're taking man. <laughs> You're like, okay, something, well. Something, something, plot, something, something, love story, something, yeah. something. Yeah, But the this movie is, was called the, Cherry 2000. It's anti-robot propaganda is what that is, and yes, I won't stand exactly for it. that's exactly what that is. <laughs> I won't stand for it. I won't stand for it. My favorite uh, robot uh, love sex movie uh, was obviously Weird Science. Weird science. Was, well, was weird the science with uh, Kelly LeBrock. Yeah, Kelly the, LeBrock. Uh, the, the "Don't Hate Me Because I'm Beautiful" 
girl. She she's the one who famously did the commercial for for hair, uh, where she said, "Don't hate, <laughs> don't hate me for hair, the hair like... products for shampoo. <laughs> don't hate me, don't hate me because I'm beautiful." What would a commercial for hair be? This is like? a commercial it's for like, hair. It's like hair, some people have it. I'm not only president of the International Hair Club for Men, I'm a client. That's what I also have like. hair. Yeah, yeah that's like... the, the, old, uh, the old International Hair Club for Men ads that promised to give men hair, and you could go swimming with it and everything. Well, it was a weave was what it was. If you don't know, by the way, if you don't know, the International Hair Club for Men was a weave. Yeah. They would put a weave on you. It was, it was a lie. It was a, it was a lie. It was a horrible lie. Okay, so this, this reminds... Okay, so a commercial for hair. Yeah, commercial right. for hair. Reminds me... This whole conversation reminds me of in the 80s and the 90s, how the dairy farmers of America went just all in the paint on milk ads. Yeah. The milk ads were the most famous ads in the world because they get celebrities with the milk mustache and so on. Right. And I always and I always wondered about that because sort of like if you ask five thousand Americans and say, What are three things that you buy every time you go to the store? What are three things that you buy every time you go to the store? Bread, milk, eggs. Yep, that's and I, I've asked that question, and I and I when I do a marketing class to photographers, right. I have asked that question, and then the answer is if if milk didn't advertise, would you forget about right. milk? Yeah, but I don't now, understand that. But now we've moved into an era where milk is legitimately under attack. Yes, yes. with all kinds of replacements: oat milk and almond milk and soy right. milk and half oat, half almond, and coconut milk, and all these other options to get off of dairy. And where the hell are the dairy farmers of America right now? Where's the big ad campaign for milk does a body good? Well, here's the thing. I'm I, I, backing up a little bit to what you just said about, you know, milk. You know, you're going to get milk. You don't need to be advertised milk. The same thing with electricity I've never understood. If you go to the dang stadium, you go to Raymond James Stadium to watch a Bucks game, and there's a giant multi-million dollar sign for Tico, the electric company in Tampa. Like you have a choice. Yeah, yeah. you don't have a choice. Who needs to be sold on electricity? You know, I, I was thinking about maybe getting some electricity, and I saw that sign <laughs> for Tico, and I thought, you know what? Why not? Maybe I'll, maybe I'll try electricity. I was thinking like... Yeah, we were going to go up. We were going to go off the grid in 2023, but I was at a Rays game the other day, and... Uh, you know, damn it, those folks at Tico, they seem so yes. nice. I'm just going to keep giving them my try. money. Yeah, just well, or just, I'm going to try the electricity. We've had no electricity. But I've decided because of the advertising campaign is so cute. Like that's the water cooler talk. It's like that I'm going to try the electricity. Hey, hey, Bouray, you know, um, it's like it's like. Have you seen the new season of whatever? You know, it's like, hey, Bouray, you try. Have you tried electricity? Everybody's talking about electricity, man, and I'm just not convinced. What do you think? It's really cold in my house. Hey, dude, have you tried electricity? No, what's that? It works pretty well. Yeah, Tico. Have you seen? You haven't seen the ads for Tico? Yeah, I did, and honestly, it was. I didn't really know what it was about because like I just a puppy. Thought I'd... There's like yeah, there's one with the puppies. Yeah. Remember, like all the puppies and like they're running around and then like they run into the fence. One of them, some of them get through the fence and yeah. they get run over by a car. And then the other puppies don't because it's an electric fence, right? Right. Yeah. So that, like electricity, it's really cute with the puppies, but also when you think about it, electricity. You know why not? It's not that bad, not that expensive. You should try some electricity. Yeah. Here. <laughs> Tico electricity. If you love your dog, you'll <laughs> shock them violently. Like that. Tico for people who love puppies. Yeah, so I don't understand why you need to advertise for electricity. Yeah, there are things you just don't need to advertise for, and uh, and, and those are them. But whatever. I wonder what the cost of a company like that, what their advertising budget is. Yeah, how much money do they spend advertising electricity? The best, by the way, you're talking about the uh, the milk ads. One of my favorite ads along that were used famous people was Coca-Cola in the 80s did a series of radio ads where they got really famous singers to do the ads and never said it was them. And it you you had you, you had to hear it a couple of times before you began to be like, wait a minute, and you're like, Coke is it or is whatever? That I don't know if it was Coke is it or whatever it was. But they were, you, you hear the ad, you be like, I think that's Elton John, and it was like Elton John did one, you know, and and they never said who it was. You would just you would just yeah, you would just hear you would it was it was just a jingle. You would just hear the jingle. And it was the it was Coca Cola, but it would be in some different. Each time you heard it, it'd be in a different style, sung by a different person. And then after the second or third time, I began to realize, wait a minute, that sounds like Elton John. So I started pulling the commercials and listening to them, and I, and they were all famous people. Hmm. Well, yeah. actually, that's pretty clever advertising. It gives people something to talk about. And again, I, you know, are people going to stop buying Coca Cola? Isn't it just so pervasive at this point? You know, the best thing that you can do to sell a product that everybody already buys is to just pay to have it at the end cap on the grocery store or put it near checkout 
And like, if it's there, well, listen. There's something to be said for having you. You got to stay present in the mind. I mean, we we've said the same thing when we've sold advertising on our podcast. It, it, the fact that everyone may already be using your product is not a reason to stop advertising your product. You have to always stay in the forefront of people's top minds. top of mind advertising. Yeah, you got yeah, to stay in the forefront works. of people's minds. And so that's why Coca Cola spends so much money on advertising, despite the fact that they've been number one for sixty years. Because the thing about milk, bread, and eggs is, I rarely eat either any of those things. I don't, I don't eat bread, but I, well, yeah, you're right. Eggs is the only one for me. Yeah, I haven't had regular dairy milk in almost 10 years. I rarely eat bread unless I'm at a nice restaurant and it's really worth it. And then, uh, and eggs, I just have maybe twice a month. Yeah, I eat a lot of eggs. I have, I can't tell you the last time I had milk and, um, and bread. I like what you said, really worth it because so many times when you go to a restaurant, this, the, it's not good bread. No. They just put sloppy bread on the table, and you're like, come on. Can you not give us some good bread? Something, yeah, something that makes it worthwhile? Give me I a nice like Parker Nor- House roll with, like, melted yeah. butter on top and a little bit of, you know, Parmesan cheese. And don't get me started on hamburger there. buns, which I think are way overrated. They, they, yeah. Like, when they want to put hamburgers on a bun that's three times as thick and, and twice as hard. Yeah, like, the, like the, the brioche or, yeah, pr- no, or give pretzel me just a nice. Roll. I don't need a lot of bun. It's about the meat and the cheese. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that the, the burgers with too much bread, it's sort of an abomination, really. Just yes, get, get, me to the, get me to the stuff on the inside. So uh, I was at the grocery store this week. This, oh. was, uh, this, was a, this was great. And a guy stopped me. Because I do the grocery shopping because we've got the three kids at home and my wife's got her hands full. So I've been, the last year or so, I've been doing a lot more of the grocery shopping. And so I'm in the grocery store and I'm going down one of the aisles and I just, I have a really hard time in the uh, tomato sauce aisle. <laughs> and this okay. is because there are so many different kinds. Really are. There, yeah. and, and it's literally like an aisle that's 100 yards long. It's half the aisle. And some are in cans, some are in jars. There's tomato paste, diced tomatoes, crushed tomatoes. There's a pasta sauce. There's a, a marinara sauce. There's vodka sauce. And they're just, I just sit there and, I, and I'm staring at the pasta sauce or at the red sauce or at the gravy, as my wife and her Italian people like to call it. I'm in the gravy aisle. And a guy wanders past me. And he's a young guy. I'd say probably 28, 30 years old. A good-looking guy, dressed like he just got off work, like he just took a tie off, nice stripy shirt, nice fitted pair of, you know, shirts, pair of pants, dress shoes. It was about the right time of day, about 6 o'clock in the evening. And he stops, and he turns around, and he says the one thing that I want every man to say to me. He says, you got great hair. (laughs) Where do you get your hair cut? (laughs) Something you wish every man would say is, you got great hair. Where do you get your haircut? See, and this, this says a lot about you because it I, don't, does. I don't think many people listening would put that as the one thing they want every man to say to them. I, I love it. It's like, like it's, I don't. I don't live for. Oh my god! If another man would just appreciate my hair, I'd be happy. Yeah, dude. My two favorite compliments. Uh, you look like you've lost weight, and well, man, you got great hair. Those are really? my two favorite. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, okay. yeah. I'll take those over anything because honestly, right. a good head of hair will make you look younger and better looking than you actually are. Okay. Like if you if your hair can, if if my hair is good enough to just take some of the attention away from what I got going on between the hairline and the chin. Like just yeah. draw it up away from my face and I think that that's good stuff. There are guys out there with a good head of hair that without that head of hair they would just they would just, nobody would look at them twice. Well, you're talking to one of them right here. My hair my hair is my life. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. <laughs> but I don't Football care about life. my hair very much. I take I take my hair for granted. Uh, and shouldn't. I'm thinning finally. Every time I see a picture and I do Savannah just had some oh, I have some pictures from WPPI of you teaching and I'm like, Oh, and Gary needed some of these pictures for the inside out website. So let me look at some of these pictures and everyone I'm like, mm, bald spot, bald spots, bald spots, bald spot. I guess these pictures won't be going on the website. <laughs> but the good news is is that you are uh, you know, you're a tall guy. I'm a tall guy, so yeah, you don't So really if see you're gonna it lose much. your hair as a tall guy, you wanna lose it in a place where only people taller than you will really be able to see it or not. And I can't complain. If I, I start to go bald in my sixties a few years from now, I mean you really can't complain about going bald in your Yeah, 60s. you made it. You you really yeah. you made it. To us, you know, that's good innings, man. Nobody's going to, nobody, you know. And I'm not so sure I would be fine. I I almost look forward to it because there's something about going bald where you're like, oh, so much less maintenance. Oh, yeah, dude. (sighs) My hairdryer needs to retire. It really does. I don't own a hairdryer. Really? No. I wash my hair and then I just uh, throw some gel in my hands, push it through my hair and I'm done. Well, maybe you get complimented on your hair more if you put a little effort in, is what I'm saying. I'm okay with the lack of compliments on my hair. I That's really because am. you haven't gotten compliments on yes, your hair. I guess and so. if you did, 
you take it more seriously. Okay. It's 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 really right. it's a double edged sword. It's uh, you know you can't get the compliments without putting it into your hair, and you're not going to start taking care of your hair unless you start getting compliments. Right. You know, right. it's a vicious cycle. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I I I have made a big purchase. Uh, okay, you, a big purchase, the most I've ever spent on, on this item. Uh, did you? Uh, hmm. Hmm. Is this hair related? No, no. Oh, we are now. On, we we're still we're, talking. We're now into photography. Talking about here. So uh, I, I, this is something that we have been talking about on the show for months. Okay. And so I and I have been talking about it, bringing up news stories about it, constantly touching back with it, and I finally pulled the trigger and I bought a new computer. I thought you. I thought you bought it. Didn't you buy a new laptop no, no. a while ago or something? No, no, no. I just. I just replaced. The basically all the insides of both my desktop and my laptop. So okay, got, right, yeah. But I thought you did that. I thought you don't. No, no. It's gotten to the point now with the file sizes off modern cameras. If you're, I'm shooting with a 45 megapixel R5, and I'm shooting video on the R5 in C log, which is H.265 video codec, which most computers, unless you have something very new, have a very hard time encoding and decoding natively because that's a hardware thing. You have to have the hardware to do that. But the, uh, so I finally just broke down the other day after watching about 5 million YouTube videos, I bought a new Apple MacBook Pro, which I'm going to replace my laptop and my iMac. I'm going to be getting rid of both of those and I'm going to be using the new MacBook Pro as my main computer until next year, probably in March when the new iMacs come out and I'll replace my desktop because the MacBook Pros are that much better than what I'm using with the new M1 processor. And how much was the MacBook Pro? Well, this is the story. And I didn't want to say, ha ha, I got a new computer because by the way, it's not getting delivered till February 5th. So, which is a long time from now. It's it's weeks. Okay. Because they're just, you know, the world back orders, supply chain, et cetera, et cetera. So I went in and I spec'd it out. So for those of you listening, I got the Apple, the 14-inch MacBook Pro with the M1 Max processor, 10-core, 24 GPU, six, uh, 32 gigs of RAM, 2 terabyte hard drive. So it's going to be a oh, monster. That's a monster. It's going to be that a, is monster. a monster. Yeah. Compared to what I've got now, it's a Hot, monster. Hard drive solid state? No. Solid no, state. Solid state, 2 terabyte solid state. 2 terabyte solid state hard drive. Wow. Yeah. So, and I've been watching all these performance tests on you know compared to other really high-end laptops and it's just it's just blowing most things out of the water in most regards and as far as i need it for video spec i've all i've pretty much stopped doing youtube videos because our studio got busy again after the pandemic and not only have we gotten busy but the videos that i'm doing i'm if i'm spending so much time rendering proxy files for the footage and then rendering the effects that I do. Like an eight-minute video takes me about eight hours to shoot and edit. And most of that time is spent waiting for titles to render, clips to render, playback, all that stuff. And so, again, I'm editing on a 2015, you know, uh, i7 Intel iMac. And so it can do the job, but it is very time-consuming. And so I needed something that's going to cut a ton of time out of both my photo and video processing. And, uh, and and it's gotten to the point now where I'm so slowed down by the age of the machines that I'm using that it's caught, it's it's doubling the amount of time that I'm spending working on literally everything I'm doing in my studio. So uh, I put it, I, I spec'd it out and I added on the Apple Care Protection Plan, which I always do. If you're, you know, I know you're not big on the warranty stuff, but in the in the tech world, this is the one warranty that I've had nothing but incredible, incredible experience, experiences with. Well, Apple does have a very good reputation for that. Yeah, they're, I mean, their their service, and if you take it I'm in, I'm not totally they, against it. I'm for it if it's if it's got value. Well, to it's two hundred and eighty nine dollars for a three year plan. Well, they will basically fix anything that goes wrong with it. And if you take on a, it on a on a laptop that costs what? Well, that's where I'm getting at. So, with the Apple Care Protection Plan and sales tax, it was four thousand dollars. Okay, right, yeah, two hundred eighty bucks on a four thousand dollar purchase for three years of of door to door takes care of everything. Yeah, okay, I don't have a problem with that. Yeah, and, and that's the thing is they replace, and if you take it in, they fix everything. Yeah, you're talking like a six a seven percent increase. But yeah, the problem yeah. I have is when you know you spend you you, up, you increase your price by twenty percent, and you're yeah, and something. you're paying monthly like on a phone. Like a yeah, never-ending charge, right? Like with a phone, it's a never-ending thing. You pay forever to have the insurance on your phone right, or whatever. But like, right. So the here's the thing. Friend of mine 
Bombardier, excellent human being, Dave Kalmbach, um, had saw that on Facebook that I had purchased the MacBook Pro. And he messaged me on, uh, he was driving, and so he left a voice message through Facebook. And he said, you might want to cancel that order. He said, because Julie, my wife, homeschools our kids. And so she says she can get the education discount, which might save you some money. So I called Apple support and they answered the phone like after two rings, like a person. It was like unbelievable. And they weren't able to do it over the phone, but uh, as far as add the education discount, but they did cancel the order and I put in a new order and it saved me $400 on the price of the laptop. So it was 3,600 instead of 4,000 and all. And that was just a phone call that saved me 400 bucks. So just out there, I thought that there might be somebody out there listening, looking to make a purchase from Apple and not taking advantage of that educational discount. And it does include people who school their children at home. And I know there are a lot more people doing that than there were before the pandemic. So I, anyway, thank you, Dave. You are aces. I owe you at least two drinks the next time I see you. And, uh, and that's, that's, just being, that's just being a good dude, man. Thanks. Say 400 bucks. Which pays, which pays for your insurance. Which pays for my Apple Care protection plan right. and then and the two beers that I have to buy Dave next time I see him. So thanks. Thanks, Dave. Appreciate right. you, man. So that's it. It is time for Photography News. Photography, photography News. All right. Uh, the first story we want to talk about Photography News because you and I talked about this before we went on the air because we want to get all the facts on this. Correct. Because I think it's a fascinating story. Is We want to talk about this wedding photographer who just lost her suit in New York City. Um, it was a federal lawsuit. So to give you the background on this story, uh, her name is Emily Carpenter, and she is a wedding photographer. Now, they passed a law in New York State that said you couldn't discriminate uh, services based on sexual orientation. Correct. So you can't refuse, if you're a wedding photographer in New York State, you can't refuse to shoot the wedding of a gay couple. For, uh, you can't refuse to shoot the wedding because they're a gay couple. Right, 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 right. right. Uh, they would have recourse to sue you if if it was believed that that's why you were doing it. Uh, so this has not happened to her, but she decided to sue um, in federal court saying that the law was unconstitutional and that it violated her constitutional rights, freedom of religion and so forth. Uh, she lost that case. Uh, the the um, court said that uh, they are not persuaded. That was the word. The court is not persuaded. Uh, by her case and so she has lost that case but it brings up an interesting discussion once again about this topic and what I really liked about this story was that I instinctively come down on the no discrimination side right like that's my default setting yeah of course but I love it when a good argument is made that makes you go well hmm and in this case the the crux of 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 the claim was this is what the the lawsuit said just as the government cannot compel a lesbian baker to create a cake condemning same-sex marriage or an atheist playwright to wax positively about god new york cannot force emily to convey messages she objects to and that i yeah that's a really good argument uh, it, it is except it's not because I, neither I, of those things are even possible. Because one... Well, with the law, it's not about what's, what happened. Like, you know, no one actually asked her to shoot a wedding. I just don't think that those are good examples. I think there okay. are better examples. And I think that you, what you're saying is the argument is there, but those two specific instances are both stupid. One, you can't make a cake maker put anything specific on a cake as it relates to hate speech or continue discrimination. So that's a thing that would never happen or be allowed. And if it went to a lawsuit, that wouldn't exist. The other well, thing well, well, is well, you, can't make a play, you can't make a playwright write anything in particular. Uh, you can say that... Sure you that, can. You can, commi- you can commission work. Yeah, but that the, the, you, you can say to a playwright, you'd be like, when has this ever happened in the history of the world? You go like, okay, um, listen, um, Elton John, I need you to write me an, uh, uh, an album of songs all about how uh, gay marriage is wrong. <laughs> okay, you're taking it to that extreme. I'm saying let's that those about, are bad examples. I, I listen to a po- I listen to a podcast where a guy uh, a guy who collects um, industrial musical albums. These are albums that were made from musicals that were written specifically for a company. 
Right. So, like, this was the thing they used to do. Like, you would go to the DuPont employee retreat, and there would be, like, some little musical that they would put on where where they would be singing about how great DuPont is. You know, or I remember seeing when they when I watched the the story on uh, on the people who did the opioid crisis, how they commissioned people to write rap songs about how great Oxycontin was and stuff like that. You can absolutely commission someone to create art and tell them this is what I want the art to say. Right. But and now, so if you go to a, a so if you go to a lesbian baker and you say I need a cake and I need I need on the writing on the top of the cake needs to say uh, marriage is between a man and a woman. That's not hate speech. Right. But if she didn't, if she or he or they did not want to do that, the same people who are backing the case against this Christian photographer would back the case again for that lesbian saying that they didn't have to do it is my point. You're getting, you're getting a little hypo- hypocritical here. I don't think I am. Uh, uh, I don't mean you. I, oh. mean they. <laughs> I think I'm being very consistent. Uh, no, the, um, th- there was already a case with a baker who's on the other side of it, who, who, who wasn't compelled by the courts. He won that case. And so, like, that, this has already kind of been decided by law. He, but no, but in this case, it isn't. He won that case. But what she's saying is that the law in, in, in New York means that she might would lose that case. And also, if he won that case, then this law is, in fact, a bad law. Well, he, first of all, he, 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 not necessarily. Okay, so here's the thing. First of all, we're talking about services versus retail buying a product. Okay, so specifically, right. this we is we're where... specifically talking about. Well, I mean, you may have to even go further back and talk about you know what is art. Right. So, but but let's say commissioning something which requires a service, like it is absolutely reprehensible in any way, shape, or form for you to create a retail establishment for the public where you refuse service to anyone based on any reason other than there's a sort of, let's say, behavior or they don't meet a particular dress code like having pants on. Like, you can't have a security guard stand that door be like, you look like a Jew, get out of here. You know what I mean? You can't do that. And no, you can't, and you can't say two guys holding hands walking into Publix and they go, excuse me, you two, get out of here, you fairies. You can't do that. And so that's what this law is really protecting. Now, services are different, and this is the thing that I wanted to convey uh, my thoughts about this. One, she hasn't been sued by anybody or charged anything. She just believes that this law in general infringes upon her rights, which have not yet been infringed upon because she hasn't, she's not beating the gaze off her with a stick right now. And, And I think this is the point. The point is that, one, these things will go to court as they happen. You can't preemptively just expect to win a suit like this when the cases that we just talked about even the hypotheticals i don't know that any of these have ever happened and so like you can't you know there's See, they, i think you can i think that's the whole that's the way that's the way the law system well she works. can't because they threw it out well, i mean they threw it out but that doesn't mean it hasn't happened before i mean that i i i, I applaud the idea that that you can sue in federal court and say this is a bad law without actually having to, to, to have gotten into the trenches, without someone actually having to right. sue. No, I agree. So if, if, if the state of Arkansas makes a law that you can't marry your sister, then I, then I would expect... I'm just kidding. Sorry, Arkansas. <laughs> no, if, if, this, if the state makes a law that's clearly egregious and infringes upon civil rights or something, like, say, moving in the other direction, the ACLU and everybody else would just be up right. in arms filing lawsuits, trying to right. get an injunction, trying to get this thrown out, trying to take it to the Supreme Court and getting it completely tossed out on the national level. So, yes, she absolutely has the right to do this. I'm not surprised that she lost. But I, my argument is I feel like that wedding photography in particular is a self-regulating industry. And I think that it's different than retail. There, I, I can't imagine any couple, any same-sex couple, any couple in a queer relationship, any couple, they're non-binary, transgender, you know, doesn't matter what, would want to spend the amount of time working with a photographer who wasn't an ally to their community. So I can't imagine this actually ever happening, except in the case that you get a, a couple who are just trying to make a splash and be real a-holes about it. Like, they're like, you know what we should do? We should go inquire with that gay-hating lady photog, and, then we, and when she tells us she doesn't shoot gay weddings, we should sue her, even though we have no intention of ever using her for our wedding photography. Because I don't think that any gay couple, any, as aforementioned, all the letters couple, would be interested in working with someone 
the way that you have to work with a wedding photographer to do this. I think that, that it's, it's completely self-regulating. And so I can see why this would get thrown out. I, I agree with what you're saying about it being self-regulating, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But I look at the larger purpose, which is the fact that it's self-regulating, the fact that it wasn't happened, doesn't mean that you shouldn't challenge bad law. Yeah, And I'm not saying this is a bad law, but I'm saying that, that, that laws are, are separate from practicality and what, what takes place, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Right. You know, you, you, you challenge a bad law, period. You, you can challenge a bad law even if there's, if there's never been a, a, a bad usage of that law. If it's a bad law, you challenge it before there is a bad usage. But don't you have to have standing to challenge a law? I don't th- no, you just have to say this. You just have to say the Supreme. If you look at my constitutional rights, this law is unconstitutional, so, and therefore, so it Bob, can be done. the accountant, who's in Utica, that's upstate New York, by the way. Right. Uh, for those of you who don't know, uh, Bob, the accountant from Utica, could just file a suit, even though he's not a photographer, doesn't own a business, would never be put in this situation. A million years, that guy can file. Well, a I don't lawsuit. know about that. I don't, that's yeah, that's what I mean. a good point. When you talking about standing, I see what you're saying. Okay. I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know about that. But but again, I. I, I enjoy, and I like this process. I like that they passed this law, and I like that she's challenging it in court, as opposed to oh, you know, someone's gonna someone's gonna create a lawsuit and sue somebody just so it will get challenged in court, which we see all the time. You know, right. When they right. Wanna, you, know, you know, no, I like that she could just go to court and say this is unconstitutional. But for the purposes of this discussion, getting away from that, the real the, the real thing about this is. I found myself coming down on her side, which I didn't expect to happen. When I started reading it, I'm like, no, you can't refuse, you can't refuse, you can't refuse. But then when I read that little sentence, and I'm like, that's true. If photography is an art, if I am creating art and you're hiring an artist to create art for you, then that artist should have the right to refuse you if that art you're asking them to create is just not in their in their vision or their heart or whatever, because art is not hammering a nail. Okay. There, there, there's, there's, there's heart and soul and creative process that goes into art, and that's a part of a person. And to make that person create something that they are against, uh, it doesn't seem right. So you're talking about specifically the so-called creative fields. Okay, here, here's an example. Put the shoe on the other foot. Right, and what fields would be creative and what fields wouldn't. So let's for, say for you, a militant alt-right nationalist neo-Nazi couple who their whole wedding was going to be anti-Semitic themed and they were going to burn a, uh, you know, burn Obama and Hillary Clinton dolls in effigy and the whole nine yards. They were going to just do that. And they were like, Ray Perry. Right. We want you to come photograph this. We want you. Your work is just our favorite and we love you. We want you. And no then, one photographs Hitler like you, Boo. Yeah, nobody, nobody gets the the glint off of the stash. It's going to be, but yes, so uh, you're so good. So so good. You shouldn't be compelled to do that, right? But you're not protecting. See, this is the. Are you protecting civil rights? Like they have the right. Like I don't believe in any of that aforementioned Nazi propaganda, alt right nationalist nonsense. Uh, that's not my personal belief system, but I would also march in a parade on their behalf for their right to yes. be able to do it. Yes, I agree. They absolutely have the right to do it, and I would fight to defend their right to do it, but I also have the right to not participate in it. Right. Correct. So you can't force me to participate. So again, I, 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 I think it's dumb because I think she's doing something that's unnecessary in her particular profession. But again, I think that it's she absolutely has the legal right and standing to challenge it. See, I, you say you think it's unnecessary, but I'm telling you, it's only a matter of time before somebody with money goes and backs somebody else to go in and take down a photographer for this very reason. Or, or somebody because, else in another service exact, industry. Because the exact opposite would happen. If, if it was on the other side, if there was a photographer who refused uh, to photograph anyone who was religious, you know, or something along, then then someone would be like, okay, we're going to go in there and when they refuse, we're going to sue them. We're going to put them out of business because they're, because they're against our religion. Right. That sort of thing happens. And the same thing will happen here. Someone will try and shut her down because she refuses to now, photograph Pulling back people. and looking at the whole thing. This yeah, is, I, I mean, I'm just saying what's good for the goose is good for the gander. You don't, you don't have to like it. I don't like it. I certainly don't like it. 
But if I want to protect my freedom, I've got to protect hers. Well, let's say that you own a convention center, the the Lutz Grand International Five Star Convention Center. That's where that's you different live. because that's not an artistic endeavor. No, but what if what the, if that a, a neo Nazi rally wanted to rent your hall and you were the right. owner? Could you tell then, them no? Then the only way you could get out of it is if you could prove that in some way it was going to more, be too detrimental to you or or too dangerous or whatever. But otherwise, you really can't. because see, So now we get into a whole new discussion, which is where does the art stop? That's what I wanted to get at. That's the whole <laughs> right, now, discussion. Now, is now what, you're in a whole new... Because you now you got, now who, and who gets to make that definition? You can't own a gas station and turn away people because they're wearing hijab. You can't. Right. Right. Like you can't own right. a a public park. You can't have a city with a public park that prohibits people of any type, for any right. reason, from 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 being there as long as they're obeying the the general sort of rules of demeanor and decor of the park. But when you get into service, when you get into a you know small businesses and service based businesses, then you have people who are where like where do you draw the line as to when can you say no and to what things can you say no and what pro- what process should there be legally to be able to object not to participate in something based on your own personal ideological religious beliefs yeah i th- that's when you that's when that, now there's a whole new definition that has to be but i because i am a photographer i do personally believe that photography is an artistic endeavor especially wedding photography photography and therefore i should be free to reject you because the type of art you're asking me to make is a type of art that i cannot i can't make in good conscience you know even though i think that it's horrible it's a shame and horrible for her that she feels this way i've shot tons of gay weddings i have no problem you know i have i have no problem posing two guys together or two girls together and making them and, and say and having them look like they love each other or having them kiss this doesn't bother me a bit you know but if it bothers her, then you shouldn't be able to force her to do it or rather sue her out of business because she won't do it. Because photography, it's, and, and, and the argument could be made that if you're just an event photographer, you couldn't refuse. Right. But wedding photographer, photography in specifically, um, you are, there is a part of the day when you're doing the pictures of just a couple where you are intimately involved in creating what they do and directing them and telling them what to do. Right. And that's when your artistic vision comes into play. And that's when you should be able to say, this doesn't fit my artistic vision. And so I'm not going to do it. Even if, even if I strongly disagree with the fact that you feel that way. So this is kind of like what I wanted to get at was that, although I think that she will never be in a position where she has to defend herself against an action like this. It's very unlikely. Now more likely that she's in the national news for making a big deal out of it. She's kind of painted a big pink target on her back, but let's just move on from that. I think that although I think she's not the right person to lead this charge, if you pull back and look at the entire situation, these things do need to be defined and they do need to go through the courts through processes like this. And this is one of those cases that is going to become important in the evolution of how these types of laws are defined in our country. And I think that if you look at it that way, it's definitely important that it's happening. Although I disagree with her stance personally, that doesn't mean that she doesn't have the legal standing to do it, and it doesn't mean that these conversations don't need to be had and that these rules don't need to be defined at a federal level. Yeah, once again, to make clear, we both disagree with her stance. Big time. <laughs> plus all, plus you're, time. You're, you're missing out, Big time. Man. Gay weddings but, are great. But again, it's like you said with the other thing. You know, I don't agree with you, but I will defend your right to say, you know, and, and, and but only in her case because it's wedding photography. If it was, um, like, I don't even know that I would be able to defend it in the case of, and then it would even get, I said, well, what if it was portrait photography? What would, oh, here's the thing. Let's go back to the cake thing. Okay, so I got to make a cake. And my cake has to say, uh, a marriage is between a man and a woman. Well, I don't agree with that, so you can't make me do that. Okay, the argument can be made that when you make a cake, you're really just following a form and a pattern, and you're just doing it. It's not, it does, it isn't, there isn't a whole lot of your actual creative vision going oh, into making okay. this cake. Cake makers are going to yeah, start writing us letters. But if you're go. making the same, I mean, come on, if you work at Publix, you're making the same cakes every day. 
right? right? You know, you know, what I'm saying it's the same. It's 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 an assembly line at this point, and just the writing on the top is the only thing that changes. And you really can't argue that that little bit of writing is some huge artistic thing that no one else in town can do the way you do, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So maybe you can't make that argument. And does the conservative cake maker at the Publix Bakery where they're making this wedding cake should they be forced to write to make a cake that says "Love is Love"? I, 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 that's what I'm saying. Maybe because maybe you can make the argument that that's really not an artistic endeavor. However, talking about a wedding, if you're an experienced wedding photographer, many of the shots that you shoot of the couple together are pretty formulaic for you at this point. Yeah, certainly. So to say, I can't do this because it's not artistic for me. Really? You can take a man and a woman and say, this is how you stand. Put your feet and hands this way. Now look at him. Now put your hand here. Put your hand, bang, 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 bang. Okay, if you did that for a man and a man or a woman and a woman, it wouldn't be really any different. Mm. So how much artistry are you really putting into it? Ah, see, now we have a whole new, now we're off to a whole new argument. Well, we've certainly, <laughs> we've certainly kicked the dead horse on this conversation, although yeah, I do have some... I, but I find it fascinating. There's so many layers to it. Yeah, that, well, that's the thing. It's like they seem pretty simple on the surface. So you can read a headline, and the way that it's written can make you angry. It can make you shake your head. But this is sort of the, I think, personal responsibility when consuming media means that you're going to go in, you're going to read, you're going to learn about it, and you're going to find out really what are the... And, and then wait to receive new information and be willing to change how you feel about it by consuming that information. And so this, right. isn't, this, is, this is one of those read the headline, get angry, or read the headline, rejoice, and then bring it up in conversation where you go, yeah, you hear about that wedding photographer? They threw a case out. Now they're going to make her shoot gay weddings. No, that's not is what happened here. And there's more at stake. And so... It, I'd be interested to see how this case and cases like it, um, you know, play out over the next few years. Because al although I think she's on the losing side of history, the vast majority of people in the United States could not care less about... Oh, all of these things are that yeah. case. Uh, all of the time and energy that she's putting into it is like, you know, the next generation doesn't care. So you're, you're, you're spending a lot of time and stuff on something that's not going to be a factor in 20 or 30 or 40 years. That's always the case. You know, it's a generational thing. So I, so, so I, so, and that's just a whole other argument is, oh, you know, you realize you're just spinning your wheels and wasting your time because the next generation is not going, you know, it, time marches on. There has never been a civil rights movement in america that hasn't succeeded eventually yeah so you know just yeah. uh, so it's so it's yeah so give it up hey you know what I, what else is she doing with her time she's probably got nothing yeah. going on so <laughs> like, not. let's do it anyway so uh what do you got next uh well there was actually a big announcement from sony this week i, I went into the details on this and there's a lot of technical mumbo jumbo but the bottom line is that, that sony has unveiled a new cmos sensor that uh theoretically has the power to pull in twice as much light as any other sensor that they've ever created. Mm -hmm. So the quick, you know, uh, Reader's Digest uh, version of how a sensor works is that a single pixel on a sensor has two things side by side, the photodiode, and the next to that is the pixel transistor. And these two things are side by side. And what Sony has done is developed a ability, the ability to stack them. So that now instead of having a pixel that's just got, that's like one wafer of photodiode pixel transistor, transistor, it will be two photodiode on top, pixel transistor on the bottom. And since the entire pixel now is made up of a photodiode and a pixel transistor beneath it, it doubles the size of the photodiode and doubles the size of the transistor. Practically speaking, what is the meat? What's the potential here? Practical speaking is you've got twice as many diodes now per pixel, which means you can absorb twice as much light, which means you can shoot in darker places and have less grain. Well, there you have it. Low light capability. It's all about low light capability and, and more dynamic range because you've got, you can now absorb twice as many uh, photo, photo, what am I thinking of? Lumen, lumens? Hmm, maybe no, I'm just going to leave you out there trying to think lumens of is the power of light. You're, you're, uh, what, what are the, when the light comes in, what is it called? I, I was going to photons. Photons, thank you. Yeah. You can now absorb twice as many photons as you could before. And where it's really, and you think, oh, this is great for us, this is great for us, but where it's really going to be used is in cell phones. Yes. Yeah, that's where you're really going to see it. So so they haven't talked about, you know, ramping these up and, with, and mass production yet, but it, when they get around to it, if they get around to it, you could see in a number of years a cell phones that can take pictures where it's twice as dark, for lack of a better a way of describing it. And where there's half the grain that you see now in cell phone pictures that are taken in low light. 
And uh, and I met it. And here's the sad thing: is it'll go there before it comes to us. The interesting thing about all this, these phones, computational photography, better sensors, better low light capability, is that we are passing the crux of where. Like I, I took a photo. I, I decorated my house for Christmas. We put the lights up and the, and the whole nine yards. And so I took a photo out in my yard with. I got an iPhone 13 mini, and in the night mode, and it did the computational thing. And I and I looked at it, and then I and and I looked at it through my eyes, and then I looked at what was on the phone, and the phone was really really close to replicating how well my eyes took in the scene and the way in which my eyes took in the scene. So here's what I'm getting at. As sensors get better, computational photography gets better, our ability to process these images get better. How, what's it going to be like when imagery is essentially limitless in what it can convey and in the way that it's actually going to deviate farther and farther away from what we're seeing with our eyes? Because isn't kind of the the point of so much photography to capture something and to replicate what our eyes are seeing and present it to us in a familiar way, uh, just kind of from a different angle. We have normal view lenses, the dynamic range. We always compare dynamic range to our eyesight. And when this, when the robot overlords have gone beyond that, and what is that going to look like? How is that going to affect image making? What's, are those going to be new trends and new standards in the ways that we, we look at images of photos just become something that's hyper-realistic moving Well, we're forward. already seeing pieces of that that have gotten pretty normal. Right, but it still takes like, a lot like, of extra like effort. Like so many pictures that are HDR and look HDR, and you're like that, but that's, and not, and filters, you right. know, and, and wide-angle lenses on cell phones, which distorts everybody's face, and now people think that's what their face looks like. Okay, this is what I'm getting at. This is where, where technology and biology are heading on a crash course toward each other. Because when your eyes, compared to what we could augment our vision with, are essentially useless, underdeveloped, crappy, biological okay. little meat sacks in our <laughs> compared, head. Compared to what happens when the cameras surpass our eyes and we're talking about we've already got you know ray-bans got wearable camera right. glasses and stuff um, augmenting human vision as it is to when you put on a an, uh, an oculus headset in 10 years it's going to look better and more realistic yeah. and and more intense than what your eyes actually see and when if you don't think it's coming you're not really thinking when we are able to tap these devices directly into the visual cortex and be able to see more and better than we do with our natural eyes it's it's we're creating a sort of new offshoot of evolution for the entire human race with this kind of imagery and it's kind of frightening and kind of fascinating at the same time yeah, yeah, I'm with you 100%. One of the things that always bothered me with Iron Man was that in the comics and stuff, his eyes were actual. He was looking through slits. He was actually looking out of the armor. But right. now in the movies, he's not actually, there's no hole in the front of his mask. He's looking at screens inside the mask. Well, first of all, you know, he's up flying a lot. I'm sure you get sun in the eye holes, you know. You right, need a little I'm just, I'm polarization. Just saying, I'm just saying. That was one of the things that they kind of changed. And, and, and when, but when you look at that, you think, when will, when will it get to the point where it'll start with glasses, where you'll be able to put on glasses and, and you'll be able to see high def and infrared, you know, and, mm-hmm. and everything else. And then eventually what happens when they start to modify our eyes? I had laser surgery, mm-hmm. you know. So, hey. Maybe the vision of our robot overlords is to convert us into them over time and that we Maybe. won't even notice that they've taken it'll start, over. It'll start with the eyes and with the, the knees and the hips. And we've already got <laughs> robot ears. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So anyway, it's exciting stuff from Sony. Uh, Sony continuing to be the leader in um, photocell chip manufacturing. And, and with this announcement, they're going to be the leader for a while. Sounds uh, cool. Without a doubt. All right, so let's talk about Instagram because uh, I had this story, I know you did too, and we've talked about this on the show before, where different media outlets were embedding an Instagram feed in order to use the images of the person in the account. So for example, there was there have been cases where, um, I think it, who was it, Mashable? Mashable was the... Uh, or yes, it, Mashable got sued by, Mashable a, got sued uh, by, by a, a photojournalist, I believe. For basically, instead of copying the image and reposting it, they just used, you know, plain old HTML and an RSS feed to embed that image into their page. And, and we had talked, I think, a lot about 
whether or not this was okay, and Instagram offered no way to stop it. Now, they say in their terms of service that you are giving people the right to use and embed. They have the right to embed images. That they, that, that they say that they have the right to sell this service to other companies. Right. But then in the lawsuit, they reveal that they don't, in fact, have an agreement with anyone. They absolutely do, do not. No, they have yeah. no media outlet agreements. They don't do any of it. They're just people are just taking it like the Wild West. So in a move that I think is pretty awesome, considering... I, I, that YouTube and, and plenty of other places online already offer this feature, so it's not like they had to reinvent the wheel to do this. Instagram users can now prevent others from embedding their photos in the settings of the Instagram app, and I right. think this is cool. What do you think? Yeah, I think it's great. You get to control your own work. You know, you, you can turn it off. Because it happens all the time where, uh, I think it's is it People? Pe- I think People Magazine just has like an AI thing that just generates little one paragraph stories with a link to somebody's Instagram. Britney Spears has a butt shot on her Instagram. That'll that'll come up in my feed. You know, and then when you click on it, it's not the picture. It's a it's a it's a it's an embed of her Instagram. Right. And yeah. and and I'm like and I whenever I see that I'm like, well they're just pulling me in for ad revenue off of Britney Spears's butt and that's not fair. First of all, you know? I'm always okay with Britney hey, Spears. I'm perfectly butt. okay with that, but I should have to go to Britney Spears's Instagram to see her butt and then she gets the ad revenue, not People Magazine getting the ad, re- ad revenue by pulling her Instagram feed into their page. Well, if now if somebody wants to steal a photo from a creator on Instagram, they'll just have to do it the old-fashioned way by yeah. screenshotting it. Yeah, because the old way was, that was the old way, was you would steal it, and they started getting sued for that. So then they were like, okay, well, we're not going to steal it. We're just going to link to it. But by linking to it, you embed it on the page, and now so that it is visible on your page. I, I think it's huge, uh, and I'd like to see more of it. I would really like to see more of... Where if you want to, if somebody wants to write a story about your piece or your thing, in order to show that thing, you're going to have to click in that story and go to your page to see it. Right. Okay. Well, uh, I agree there completely. But since uh, we've got lots of stuff in the news, like last week we had like all this very scant photography. I know we've probably got about five or six other stories sitting on the back burner here, but I think we should talk about a couple of things first. One, let's talk about Imaging USA. We are mere weeks away from the biggest photo conference in the United States for professional photographers, Imaging USA. This is happening in uh, uh, something Harbor, Maryland. It's D.C. It's outside Washington, D.C. Why is Washington, D.C.? So we had a little feed going. Somebody asked, uh, let's see, who was it? It was Andrew Ketchum, our buddy from Las Vegas. Andrew Ketchum asked, who's going to Imaging USA in the Bombardier's Lounge Facebook group? And uh, we got a lot of feedback. I think we're going to have quite a few bombardiers hanging out. So uh, if you guys see us at Imaging USA, I will be giving a pre-con class, basically that is an intro to off-camera flash. So if you are mostly uh, available light shooter and you would like to be able to add some extra light into your work without making it look fake and terrible, come spend a day with me. Uh, you can check out all that and many more on ImagingUSA.org. Also, you will see Boo Ray Perry and uh, the world-famous Savannah Butler running around for the three days doing live broadcast after live broadcast onto the uh, Imaging USA Facebook page because Boo Ray is quite literally the face of Imaging USA. <laughs> yeah, that's me. Uh, so, yeah, I'll be doing that. I'm not teaching this year. I'm just doing, uh, face. Uh, we call it Imaging USA Live. So I just go around and interview little two-minute interviews with the people who are speaking and stuff like that. So if you're not, if you're going and you're not uh, liking the PPA Facebook page, you need to do that so that when I make these videos, they will come up and you'll be able to see me live and see what I'm talking about. A few years ago, I actually missed Imaging USA. It was the first time in 13 years I haven't gone to Imaging USA, and I've lived vicariously through your broadcasts. And uh, <laughs> I watched every single one, like the whole time. It made me, made me sad to kind of to miss all my friends, but it was cool to kind of still be a part of being right. there. So I thought that was yeah. pretty cool. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of running around, but it's a lot of fun. And, and, and no one sees the convention like I do because I see every aspect of it. I talk to the speakers. I talk to the, peop- the vendors. I talk to the volunteers. I talk to the PPA employees. I interview everybody uh, and keep everybody up to date. You've with never interviewed me. So. Uh, I haven't. No, I haven't interviewed you. Mm-mm. That oh, is yeah. curious that I've never interviewed you. Yeah, it's almost like you avoid me or something. It's not me. I don't just say I don't set this. I don't. They tell uh, me. Yeah, the marketing that. people at PPA tell they don't, you. Yeah, they, they don't. I don't. I have very little uh, input. They say here's go here at eight a.m. You need to interview this person in this room, and I go and do it. I also wanted to thank you for getting me the picture I needed for the Inside Out 
website. So let's yeah, talk oh, about Yeah, oh, that's this. right. You mentioned yeah. that last week, I and did, I got to yeah. you a couple of days later. Yes, you yeah. certainly did. So public shaming works, apparently. So let's just keep... I don't understand why it was public shaming. When you originally told me you wanted the picture, you were like, yeah, it's no hurry, no hurry, get it to me in a couple of weeks. And then like a week later, you started publicly shaming me on the on the podcast. And I was like, what happened to a couple of weeks? I had planned on doing it this week, and did I did. It, did it make a good bit? Well, I don't know. Did I, I think it did. I can't be the judge of it. I think it did. I think it yeah. was good. But I mean, I didn't. I I still shot that picture at exactly the day that I was planning to shoot it all along. Okay, so you didn't move any faster. No, I didn't move any faster at all. That was my plan: was to do it that week on that day. So I'm glad I wasted my breath. Anyway, you so in, Inside Out's coming up. If you don't know what Inside Out is, if you're listening to this for the first time, we are having the very first uh, workshop that is for, by, and and because of. Uh, the Photobomb podcast. So this is something that we're going to be doing together. It's going to be an entire day of photography, education, lighting, and posing. You're going to spend half the day with me doing all my studio lighting and posing techniques, how to make that work, how to pull that off in camera, how to spend less time post-processing. And then you get to spend half a day with world-famous Boo Ray Perry, learning how to run and gun like a pro, how he nails his images no matter what the situation, no matter what the location. And it's going to be uh, a great demo slash hands-on time, and there are going to be a lot of bombardiers, but we are capping it off at only 30 people. So yeah, go ahead. It's and, very, we, very limited. Yes, we're, and yeah. so we're going to split the classes into two groups. So we both teach a class twice. So 15 people with me, 15 people with Boo, then everybody swaps, so you get to do everything. In addition, the day after, on the 29th, we are going to have a full day at my studio that's going to be photography business training. This is going to be marketing. This is going to be SEO. This is going to be Google Ads. This is going to be the whole nine across the board, pricing, website reviews, and design. So if you are looking to take your photography business to the next level, you can add on a second day. And that's only going to be open to 10 of the people who are attending Inside Out. And this is March 28th and 29th. It's going to be in Orlando in, in March and if you've ever been to Orlando in March, I have one thing to tell you. It's delightful. Delightful. I was going to say delightful. It's delightful. Exact words yeah. I was going to use. Delightful. If you are coming from somewhere where you're shoveling snow and you're bundling up, <laughs> you won't have to do that here. At most, you might want to bring a light jacket or maybe a windbreaker or, or, or like a, you know, like a, like a Henley, like a long-sleeved Henley shirt, you know, one of those waffly ones. Like, that's more than you'll need. And by then... By the time it gets to be 10 o'clock in the morning, it'll be 75 degrees, and it's, it's, it's sweater weather's gone. It's T-shirts and oh, shorts. Man, dude, Henley waffling and then the macadamia tree oil you mentioned Malaluka. earlier. I'm just Malaluka. saying, you're, 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 <laughs> your vibe is really coming heavy on this episode. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a bit of a man of the world, Boo Ray, so I've seen a few <laughs> things. I've been a few places. Right. I, I know some stuff about some things. Henley. But the, yes, and so uh, there's some questions uh, in the group where I think Tim Gums just posted how much is it going to cost? And so, and and all that stuff. So, uh, Tim, thanks for writing in. We are still finalizing all those details. The website is just about ready to launch. The last thing that we're doing is we're putting together like a 30-second elevator pitch video that's going to go right on the homepage. And we are also going to be posting the final schedule of events so that you can know exactly how the days are going to go from the time that you arrive. And so there's a lot when you put together an event like this to make sure that everybody not only signs up and pays us to come, but they have a really awesome experience with a step-by-step, like this is what you're supposed to do um, from here to there, where to travel, what airport you fly into, how much Uber rides are, and, and there's there's just a ton of little things. So if you want to just check out a couple of things, the, the event is going to be March 28th and 29th, and we have already booked the Aloft Downtown Orlando, which is a really cool little business Very traveler cool. hotel, and it's right on Orange Avenue in the heart of downtown Orlando where you've got like restaurants and bars and shops, and we have tons of murals and cool places to shoot. It's going to be like a limitless smorgasbord of running around like a nerd with your camera and taking a zillion pictures. And the best part of this is that you can get your family on board by saying, hey, wife and kids, I'm going to go do this thing for a day with Boo Ray and Gary. Would you also like to go do another thing that maybe you want to do whilst in world-famous Central Florida where we have everything from um, Gatorland, which is pretty nice. We have Gatorland. We have Wild Florida. We have Kennedy Space Center. We have all kinds of cool stuff. There's a Dinosaur Land. Dinosaur Land, dude. Like that's, you know. Yeah, the Dinosaur Land place. It's, I don't think it's called Dinosaur Land, but it's dinosaur what it is. You always see the giant dinosaur As you drive down, down I-4. I-4. Yeah. There's yeah. another thing too. Uh, what's that other? There's a there's like a isn't there like a theme park or something in Orlando? Oh, oh Legoland. Yep. 
Mm-hmm. Lego, Lego Land, Land. No, is that's not actually far. Lakeland. Oh, that's, that's a actually farther, outside. Yeah. And then there's Bush Gardens, which is here in Tampa. Which yeah, is yeah, plenty. plenty but there's to another do. one. I feel like there's another reason. There's that a you might really go. nice playground at Lake Eola downtown, yeah. and that's a good size. That's a good size playground. Like we also have. See, I feel like there's something else. There's the Winter Park in, Public Library, which is very nice. It's very impressive. It's brand the library. new. You're going to come here and take your kids, take your family to the library. You'd be remiss if you did not. As a matter of fact, you know, there are airboat rides. You could do airboat rides. I mean, there's all kinds of cool stuff to do here in Orlando yes. flow. so lots of stuff to do in Orlando get your family on board get your butts down here come and party with us for a couple of days in Orlando we're going to learn we're going to shoot we're going to have a great time and uh, and what else are you doing in March nothing because you live in a right. frozen wasteland get your get your get your took us down here and uh, that website is going to launch by January 2nd where you'll be able to go and you'll be able to save your spot it is probably certainly definitely going to sell out with only 30 spots we want this to be an intimate educational experience where we can just hang out and relax and it's not overwhelming or exhausting so be on the lookout for that you will get notified in the Bombardier's Lounge Facebook group and uh, on this podcast as soon as that website is live and ready to book all right. Uh, as always, the Photobomb Con podcast is written, directed, and produced by Blu-ray Perry and Gary Hughes. You can find us online. Join our group on Facebook, facebook.com slash groups slash Bombardiers Lounge. Bombardiers. And you can find our website at photobombpodcast.com. Gary's website is hughesfioretti.com. So it is. My website is blu-rayperry.com. And you can email us, questions at photobombpodcast.com. We'll see you back here next week. See you later. See you later.